Welcome to the New Vision Church podcast. New Vision Church is a diverse, Bible-teaching, Jesus-centered church in San Diego, California, and exists to transform people and their communities by replicating followers of the biblical Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's this week's sermon. Good to see everybody this morning. Hey, I got a couple things just to announce also. Hey, um, first of all, you know, we want to invite you. If you want to come, we have our Sunday night service happening, so you're welcome to join us at 5 o'clock on Sunday nights. Uh, we're going through the book of Philippians. We're in chapter 3, so I want to encourage you to, to come out if you want to come out on Sunday nights. Hey, um, we want to be a church that outreaches. Obviously, you have the World Cup that you can get involved with uh, coming up next week. You can't tell me there's nothing going on in the church because there's a lot going on in the church even in this season. And you can say, man, I'm bored. Well, let me tell you, jump in and help Scott next week if you would jump in and help and uh, just be a light in the neighborhood. Just be, so I want to encourage you, number one, to do that. But number two, uh, guys, you know that we're, um, we, we have these campuses we're looking at, and one of them, we're moving to Sunday morning. So the Catholic campus is going to open up on the 12th on a Sunday morning. Woohoo! Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So you're like, what? You know what I mean? Um, but... But guys, we want to invite you, if you're interested in being a part of that launch team, uh, we want to encourage you to, to pray about that. We're going to have a, a meeting on the 17th of August at Encanto uh, at 6 o'clock. You'll hear more about it. Just It's an informational meeting. What does that mean? What is that about? And so I want to encourage you, if that's something you want to pray about and say, man, I'm committed to help maybe get this, this work off the ground in Encanto neighborhood, then I just want to, if you have an interest, just come out that night and just hear about what God's doing. If that's something you want to be a part of, we just want to invite the, this family. Guys, I want you to understand that we are one church in multiple sites, okay? So we are one body. We are one family. Um, and so I'm, I'm leading the pastor there, and I have teams that will be there. Pastor Lau is going to be there. James, Nate, all the teams are going to help me with that campus doing there. I want to see, like I shared before, the vision was that we're going to have campuses all over San Diego, which means it's like we're ant hills all over San Diego, right? Just ministering all over San Diego. And um, I know that uh, even Pastor Marcos is doing a work over in Spring Valley we're looking at and doing stuff there. So God is beginning to do a move even in this time. So just be praying, God, what, what, what role do I play in that? And so if you want to hear more about that, it'll be August 17th to Tuesday night in Encanto. We're having a dinner information. Just want to invite you. Hey guys, we're going to continue on in our series this morning on unity, unity for a purpose. And this morning we're going to be looking at the peacemaker, the peacemaker this morning. We're going to be jumping in. So Romans 10, Matthew 5, Romans 12. These are the, the texts we're going to be using. We'll be jumping to each of them. So if you want to kind of marker that off, that'll be something there. All of you might be very familiar with the name Alfred Nobel. In fact, he was a Swedish physicist who created the dynamites. And his heart in creating this invention was that he would be able to use this dynamite to be able to help build constructions, like to make way for roads, to tear down big rocks, to do everything he can to help build, to develop, to do all these things. But when they got, people got the hands of that invention, they, they turned what was meant for good into evil and they made it as a weapon for warfare. And when, when Alfred heard about what they did with his invention, he became very, very depressed and in light of his depression, what he did is he took $9 million and he put it in an account and that $9 million he used to honor those who would later on promote peace. And he would hand out awards for that. And we call that the Nobel, Priest, Nobel Peace Prize. Let me tell you something this morning. Jesus is looking for some Nobel Peace Prize winners. 
He's looking for some peacemakers, and he wants to award some peacemakers. Peacemakers about the cause of Christ, reconciling the world to God and to others. They are kingdom warriors of peace. We're talking about this this sermon series on unity. Unity has to be done by peace. And because unity has to be done by peace, there needs to be some peacemakers. And so we're going to look at the idea of what these peacemakers are today as we continue our sermon series on unity with a purpose. Because God's people are called to be peacemakers. Last week we looked at the heart of unity as we looked at the prayer of Jesus of us being one. This morning we'll be looking at peacemaker and we'll look at the gospel of peace and the gospel-centered peace is a way for the believers, the way a believer lives. And so let's pray. And Father heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. And we pray your hand upon our time this morning as we just look at some of these texts, Lord. Father, I pray that we begin to understand our own identity as peacemakers. Father, we begin to understand our role as peacemakers. We begin to understand that the way of the follower of Jesus is the one of peace. And so I pray this morning as we look at just this idea and concept of peace and peacemaking and peacemakers, I pray, Lord, you would speak to our hearts. How are we peacemakers in a time that seems so troubled and in a time that seems where there's much unrest? Lord, how can we be the peacemakers of your kingdom? And so I pray your Holy Spirit to speak this morning as we look at your words, Lord, that speak about these very issues because you're, you're a kingdom about peace. And so I ask your hand upon our time this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we could even talk about peace, we have to understand something about the gospel. Because the gospel is a gospel of peace. The first thing is this morning is that the gospel is a gospel of peace. We see that in Romans chapter 10, 14 and 15. And a peacemaker is one who shares the gospel. We're all called to be what we're all called to be witnesses of Christ. Scott mentioned that we were ambassadors for Christ. When a witness is subpoenaed to, to court but refuses to testify, he'll be held in contempt of court by the judge. When you stand before God, will he hold you in contempt of court because you refuse to testify? I think when you look about the role of the believer, the role of the peacemaker, One, he begins to understand what this gospel of peace is. But you have to understand a peacemaker is courageous to go share the gospel of peace. It says this in verses 14 and 15 of Romans chapter 10. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? In Romans chapter 10, Paul the Apostle is the author of this book, and he's, he's laying out a, a rhetorical question. He's, he's presenting some problems in, in, in the light of questions. He asks a bunch of questions in verse 14. These are what are called rhetorical questions, questions that are not meant to be answered, but to be reflected on, to have a, a self-evaluation, to say, wow, let me read these questions. How does, how does that apply to me? Am I one cent, and have I held back, Right? We have to stand that a peacemaker this morning is always on mission. He, we know that there is a, a great commission, and that great commission is found in Matthew 28 to go make disciples of all nations. But the key word there was to go, that there was an action to our mission. There was a process to our missions, that we are the sent out 
ones. And so Paul is presenting some questions as it relates to some obstacles. For if, if nobody goes, how can they hear? If nobody preaches, how can they believe? And how can they believe the truth of this gospel of peace? Because this gospel, this gospel of peace is a unifier. It unites us. And so what are some, what are some obstacles that many are facing? They're, they're, they're facing the obstacle of unbelief. That's what they're facing. And so we need ones that are, have to begin to go. There's a study that was done by Barna. And I think I was talking with somebody a week ago about whether this was a, a Christian nation and America's a, a Christian nation. But they did some studies and statistics here. And Barna came up with this. They said one in four are practicing Christians in the U.S. That's only 25% are practicing Christians. Meaning that they, they, they fellowship, they go to church, they, 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 they read the scriptures, they're committed to the things of God, 25%. But Barna also said, Three out of 10, 30% share their faith, share their faith, mostly in a one-on-one -on -one conversation. But 40% said that sharing the gospel was unimportant, was unimportant. Many believe, many non-believers that responded to the question said, how did they hear about the gospel? Some said through a friend, through an invite by church, or maybe even a, a tract that they had gotten. That's how they heard. Many, some of you maybe come to New Vision because some, maybe somebody invited you to church or somebody shared the gospel. Think about your own life. How did you hear about the gospel? Who was that person that told you about the gospel? You're here today because somebody told you. Somebody shared you or the Spirit drew you here. But the question is this and the problem is this. Who will go? Who will go? I, it's reminded me of the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6. In Isaiah chapter 6, Israel is in a bad state. They were in sin. There was corruption. They were rebelling against the Lord. And they needed rep repentance and restoration. And in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah has a vision. And in that vision, he sees the Lord sitting on a throne. And he sees angels around. And they're worshiping the Lord, saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And we see this picture as he writes in, I in Isaiah chapter 6. And in that vision, he's touched by God's holiness, Isaiah is. And he realized that he's a, a wretched man. And that he's a sinful man. And he acknowledges that he is a man of unclean lips. There was a confession aspect to that as he enters God's most holy place. And it was there that the angels took a coal from the altar. And he came in and began to touch the lips of Isaiah and in that, he says, your, the Lord said, your iniquity is taken away and your sins purged. And then there was a challenge by the Lord at this moment. Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah said this, here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. I think God's done the same for us. We were men of unclean lips. We were wretched. Oh, wretched man that I am, who can save me? Peter fell to the ground when he realized who Jesus was. said, oh, wretched man that I am. And Jesus said, now go, I'm going to make you fishers of men and stuff. God has touched us today. 
He's anointed us. He's blessed us. He sanctified us. He restored us. Now we're called to be the peacemakers. We're called to be the sent out ones. Can you say, here I am, send me? Even in the little things. We don't have to, people think, well, send me. We think about missionaries going to the deepest, darkest areas of Africa in the Congo. No, he doesn't have, he's not challenging you to cross the sea. He just wants you to cross the street. Come on, come on. We just got to do the simple things. What makes you think he's going to send you to Africa if you can't just cross the street? Lord, who am I? Send me, Lord. You've opened up doors and opportunities for me to go and for you to go. So he's looking at the simple things this morning. So that means a, a, a peacemaker needs to take risk. A peacemaker needs to take risk, right? The, the risk of rejection. The risk of ridicule. The risk of retaliation. There's a lot of risk when we want to share. And you know what the enemy does? He brings fear in your life for those things. Or what if they think, what do they think about me? Or what if I don't have all the answers? And we're fearful just to share about God's love. Because it's simply just sharing about God's love. Right? Jesus gave a, a picture of that when he sent out the 12 in, 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 in the gospel of Matthew and Luke chapter 9 and Matthew chapter 10. He says, in Matthew chapter 10, it says, behold, I send you out as what? Sheep in the midst of wolves. Thank you, Lord. I feel safe now. Sheep among wolves. But I love what he says. There's, Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. When you're being sent out, be discerning in how you go out. Verse 19 says this in Matthew 10. But when they deliver you up, when they take custody of you, do not worry about how or what you should speak, for it will be given to you in the hour that you should speak. What is he saying is when you take risk to be the sent out one and to be the peacemaker, don't worry about what you say. God will give you the word in the moment. Amen. Now, that doesn't mean you don't prepare. That doesn't mean you're not in your word. That doesn't mean, see, 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 David was prepared to fight the giant when he was a shepherd when he fought bears, right? And so what you have to do this morning is you have to be in your word so you know the gospel. So when it comes time to share, God will reveal a word for you to share. Come on, come on, come on and teach and preach. So, listen, it's not just osmosis people are like, oh, Lord, what are you, you got to be ready. In season, out season to give a response for the hope that lies within you. Right? He sent out the 72 and he, he gives them a challenge. He goes, the 70 that he had raised up, he raised up the 12 and he raised up the 72. And what does he tell them? The harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray for the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Not only are you to go, you, but you're to pray for others to go with you. You're building a team. You're building a community of peacemakers that will bring about unity, we needed, we needed a united front as a church to go. That's why I'm inviting you. If you want to be a part of this launch team, we're trying to get a, a united front to serve as a, as a family, to get up the arms of the pastors and leaders to bring about the gospel in our neighborhoods. But you have to understand that the peacemaker, the peacemaker's message is the one of peace. Look at verse 15 in Romans 10. And is it written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. What is he saying here? The peacemaker this morning are active with the gospel. The peacemakers are active with the gospel. They are always on mission with God. For those, like one of my favorite movies was the Blues Brothers. 
right? The Blues Brothers. If you don't know what the Blues Brothers, you can watch it. And what motivated them, even in their own mess and corruption and jacked upness, was they always thought that they were on a mission for God to save the orphanage, right? They would go do crazy things. You have to go back at Aretha Franklin in there. You got all those R&B singers in there, right? Great movie, right? But the key for them was they had, we had a mission to raise money for an orphanage for God, and nothing could stop them. And they believed nothing, and they were doing all this crazy stuff. You know what, guys? We are on a mission. If, we're, if God is for us, who could be against us? Nothing could hinder the work of God. What Paul is doing, he's quoting Isaiah 52, 7. And those who preach and share the gospel of peace are sharing good news. And so the gospel of peace is good news. And the gospel of peace brings people together. Look at our room around here today. The gospel has done this. It's brought us together. We have all this in common, which is the gospel. But what is the gospel of peace. What is it that you bring? In the same chapter, in verses 9 through 12, it kind of gives us a hint of how we come to receive the gospel and what the gospel is. It says that if you confess with your mouth, verse 9, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that what God raised him from the dead, there's the gospel that he died, was buried, and rose again, that he raised from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes. Unto righteousness, and with the mouth confesses, is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. I love that about God. You know, we've been in our mess, and people always shame us in our mess, right? Can't believe, you remember you used to do this, you always get in trouble, and then when we come to confess our mess, he says, I ain't going to throw st stones at you, man. You're not going to put you to shame. That's why it's so good to come to God right? For there is no distinction, here it is, there's no distinction between Jews and Greeks, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. There's unity right there. Jews and Greeks, one, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The gospel is a gospel of peace because apart from Christ, we are at war with him. In fact, Scripture says that we were alienated and, and enemies in Colossians 1.21 and Romans 5.10. It says in the Scriptures that we sinned against God and suppressed the truth of God in Romans 1.18. But the gospel made a way for us to have peace with God and one another. That's the gospel of peace. Romans 5.1 says what? Having been justified by faith, having been acquitted by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.18, now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, has given us what? The ministry of reconciliation, that not only we have peace with God, we're reconciled with God, but now we have a ministry of reconciliation to be reconciled to one another. That's unity. That's peace. That's why Jesus said, peace to you as the Father has sent me, I send you. There's the commissioning of Jesus. There's the commissioning of Jesus. The gospel is a gospel of peace. What's the purpose of the peacemaker in the first point here? Luke 179, if you're taking notes, to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadows of death to guide your feet into the ways of peace. That was referencing the role of John the Baptist and his work that was going to, he was going to reference the one who was the peacemaker. He was going to reference the one who was the king of peace and the prince of peace. He was going to make a way for peace, John was, because he was the ultimate peacemaker. So first of all, it's a gospel of peace. 
Second, we're going to do two points this morning. Here's the second one. Peace is the way of the peacemaker. Peace is the way of the peacemaker this morning. We're going to be looking at Matthew 5, 9, and Romans 12 this morning. In fact, in 1945, the United Nations was established to keep peace around the world. And when conflict would happen among the nations, they would send a delegation. We call them a delegation of peace. We call them peacekeepers. Their goal was to mediate conflict to bring peace. Like, we don't have to go far to experience conflict and war. <laughs> Think about this morning. Some of you are in a personal battle with your own self. You're in a little civil war between me, myself, and I. You have turmoil with even your own inside of you. Some of your marriages are at war. Instead of being married by the justice of the peace, it looks like you were married by the secretary of war. We see unrest all around us. We saw it this year with our children, with our coworkers, our bosses and the like. There is conflict between race, there's conflict between racial, social, class groups, poor versus rich, black versus white, and the list goes on and on. But there's hope because we have received the gospel of peace and we, we have the capacity to be people of peace. And the greatest joy we can have in introducing people is to the Prince of Peace the Prince of Peace. We're going to be looking at several things this morning. First in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, first thing here is the peacemaker is identified as one of God's sons. Look at this identity. The peacemaker is identified as one of God's sons. Let me tell you something. We're all children of God. No, we're not. The Bible says we're not. I know that's that. We throw that out like it's a truth. There are children of the devil, the Bible says. <laughs> I'm just telling you what the word says. And if you're not a peacemaker, then who are you serving today? You can't be God's children if you're not a peacemaker. Because he's identified. Look at 5.9 of, of Jesus. Jesus wrote in 5.9 on the Beatitudes. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Okay? Now, what's happening here? We know in Matthew 5-7, through 7, we know it as the Sermon on the Mount. As Jesus' famous sermon, he, he lays up about what kingdom living is. And so he, he's sitting on this mountain. He begins to express his deepest values to his disciples that are, that are called to follow him. And he shares what biblical, what biblical kingdom living looks like. And one of those kingdom vows is peacekeeping and being a peacemaker. And so that's where Matthew 5, 9 comes from. It's one of those blessed statements. So he says, blessed are the peacemakers. Now, Jesus is not talking about a peaceful life here. He's talking about a way of life. He's talking about one who's active in bringing peace. Peacemakers are proactive. Amen. They're always trying to work toward peace. And peacekeepers are blessed by God. Blessed are the peacemakers. In fact, the word blessed in the original language, the Greek language, is another word for happy or happy or, or fortunate or well off. How fortunate well off are the peacemakers is what Jesus was saying in his own words. There's great happiness when one is applies the faith. There's great fortune. There's great prosperity, right? The prosperity of the gospel is a blessing that comes from within. Great joy and peace and happiness were about being peacemakers. That's why he said blessed are the people are happy are the peacemakers. And the peacemakers are identified as his children. Why? Because we are sons of God because we resemble the Father. <laughs> we resemble the Father. Okay? 
We are sons of God through, through faith in Galatians 3.26. And those led by the Spirit are the sons of God, Romans 8.14. And we know that one of the fruits of the Spirit is peace. And if the fruit of the Spirit and the Spirit is living with us and the fruit of the Spirit is coming out of us, it should be peace. And so the mark of the Son is the work of the Spirit of peace. And just like he sent his Son to be the peacemaker, now we as the body of Christ are taken over for the Son, and the ministry is a family business of peace. <laughs> New vision, we have a part in and God's purpose and mission, and we are keeping this mission in the family. <laughs> this peacekeeping mission is what he's called us to, this unifying missions. But we have to understand that peacemakers this morning are workers of peace inside and outside the church. Inside and outside the church. In fact, the Bible, Paul the Apostle writes in the book of Ephesians, as you're addressing the church inside, endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace, he commands us. That he doesn't want drama in the church. He doesn't want all these things to be played out. You'll, you'll know that sometimes there can be drama and conflict in the church. We've all experienced it. Some people have left churches because of church wounds and, and hurt and conflict. But, but the reality of all this is he's challenged us to, to endeavor to work toward the bond of peace, to keep unity in the body. If we can't get along in this house, what makes you think we'll get along outside of this house? This, this needs to be the example of unity in here. So that when we go outside the church, we can bear a good testimony. We can extend our peacekeeping missions because in Matthew 5, 43 to 45, in the same chapter we're studying in Matthew 5, 9, Jesus says this on the Sermon on the Mount. You have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Here it is, that you may be sons, here it is, of your Father in heaven. He's connecting the two, right? For he makes his son rise on the eve evil and on the good. He sends rain on the just, on the unjust. We're to be peacemakers inside and outside the church. Matthew 5.16 says, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. <laughs> glorify your Father in heaven. We're to bring testimony not only to God in our lives, but to one another inside and outside the church. We're to be peacemakers. But I want to close and really focus on this last part this morning. And so turn to Romans chapter 12, 9 through 18, because here's the application of everything you were hearing. Number one, we, we got a gospel of peace. We looked at that a little bit this morning. We're identified, for those peacemakers, we're identified as the sons of peace, we want to keep peace inside and outside. But what's the application of this peacemaker? That's what all of Romans chapter 12 is all about because you have to be renewed and transformed in order to do this. That opens up in 12, 1 and 2 about that. Do not be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind for this is your spiritual act of worship. 
But when you study the book of Romans, it's actually a powerful book. We might study through it, but the book of Romans, the first couple of chapters, three deals with the sin of man and the brokenness of man. When you get to the latter part of three, you start dealing with the sacrifice. There needed to be a sacrifice to heal the brokenness, to, to bring the restoration and reconciliation. Then you look with the sanctification of, of man when you look at there's now no condemnation, there, you know, that we've overcome sin. And then get to, by the time you get to chapter 12, it's all about the application or service. How do you apply that sanctification? And so we're going to look at a litany of things here. It's a, it's, a, it's a long verse that has a lot of meat in it. I'm going to just pull out some of the, some of the meat here that we can apply it. But peacemaking is a way of life. It's, it's how we live. It's how we should be on mission every day. And we're going to look at verses 9 through 18 this morning. Why do we need to be this? Because you go all the way back to Romans chapter 2, 10. It says, but glory and honor and peace to everyone who works what is good, to the Jews first and also to the Greek. Because we're to be peacemakers and peaceable to all people. So these are the next four faith actions that will bring unity and peace. First one here is peacemakers love genuinely. Peacemakers love genuinely. Look at verses 9 and 10. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor giving preference to one another. Here's the challenge as a peacemaker's. Take off the mask. Love without hypocrisy. Don't be two-faced. Don't be phony. <laughs> but I want to tell you, love has several looks this morning. Because biblical love is real and it's lasting. Here it is. First of all, in this text, love is an action and it's not a feeling. Though I know we, are, we have a, an idol, idol, idols of romance in our culture today. There's idols of romance. We see it in movies. We see it in books. It's this idol of romance. But really here, it's not so much about your feeling as much as about your actions. And your actions, don't, don't make it a masquerade. Don't behind, hide behind who you really are, but reveal who you are. And one, we, we have to express our love. And, and expressing our love is done through humility and not through arrogance. Love is not to be phony. But real love is, is sincere, sincere. That's what the word sincere means. It means without hypocrisy. Listen, if we can't love the one we see, how can we love the one we cannot see? See, that's the manifestation of, of love. But here's another thing. Love hates evil and clings to what is good. Right? He's contrasting between love and hate in this, in this passage here. Disassociate with what is evil and associate to what is good. Hate what God hates and, and love what God loves. Listen, next week we're going to get into Proverbs chapter 6 and we're going to talk about what God hates. There are seven things he hates. We'll get into that next week. But he says, cling to what is good. That word cling there in the translation means to, to it means glue or to cement together. Be stuck. Be stuck on those things that are good. Cling to those things that are good. That's our challenge for us this morning. So, but also love cares for others genuinely means there is some feelings and there is some affection for us, to brothers and, and sisterly love. We're not to be cold and, and standoffish to one another. That's what I love about New Visions, man. You're so friendly. If that's anything that tends to get people say, man, your church is so friendly because you're so loving. You're willing to put yourself out there, right? 
make the point to make the people count. That's what being loving is. Make the point to make people count. Be inclusive. Love begins there first. Doesn't mean that you accept everything you believe. You're just accepting them as people. For all created in the image and the likeness of God. And we start with that basis for because that's genuine love. That's brotherly love and sisterly love. The phileo love, which is kind of described here in this passage, where we get the word Philadelphia or the city of brotherly love. In fact, the Bible even tells us to kiss one another with a holy kiss. I ain't giving permission to go all crazy out there now. Okay, but it talks about this affection. Their love for one another, brothers and sisters, it's a family love. It's like a, a love between a parent and a child, that type of love. And so love is genuine. Here's, a, here's another one, peacemakers labor and service. Peacemakers labor and service, verses 11 through 13. It says, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfast in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints and giving to hospitality. Man, if you don't know what you're going to do in the kingdom, just read this list. There's a lot of work to be done in this list, right? So what is it telling us about peacemakers? It's really about peacemakers. Peacemakers are not lazy. They're not slothful, but they're fervent. What does that word fervent mean? It's actually the idea of boiling water, of something heating up. I love it when you just see people and they're just fired up for the Lord. They're boiling with this enthusiasm. They're just so, they're a spirit-filled person and that Holy Spirit is moving it and they're just enthusiasm about their faith. That's what the idea is. Don't be lazy in your faith. Don't be slothful in your faith. But be fervent. Be excited. God's doing something in you. But also, here's another thing. Peacemakers are optimistic, right? They're, optim they're rejoicing in hope. They're hopeful about their, their ministry and they're keeping their eyes upward. They're also hopeful about Christ's return. That's why we call it the blessed hope in the scriptures. They're hopeful about the work of God. They know that the work of God is not in vain. They're hopeful for all these things. They're optimists. They see the glass half full, not half empty, right? They're just, they just know that God's working. In light of the circumstances and the situation, they always look to the side of hope. That's what a peacemaker does right? That's why the peacemaker can live the words of Paul the Apostle, Philippians 4, 4, rejoice the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. They're always just rejoicing because they're just so hopeful. It's all good. It's all going to work out, right? So they're optimistic. Here's another thing about a peacemaker. Peacemakers are patient in tribulations, in afflictions, in trials. Peacemakers are able to wait out the storm, the craziness of life. We went through a, a crazy season this life. We're still in it. This, this storm that we're going through, right? They're patient. They persevere. Under the, the misfortunes and trials, they hold fast to one's faith in Christ. They hold fast to what they're, they're anchored to their faith. Why? Because he who bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. We're patient in tribulations and trials. We're not tapping out when we feel like we're pinned down. <laughs> right? We're not tapping out. God, I don't know why you're taking me through this, but you're doing something. Maybe your trials today 
is God teaching you something about who you are in order to perfect that. That's called the gospel renewal. God's always renewing us, always doing something in us. Right? God's doing something. Maybe you have a great conversation one day. You've had terrible conversations with your kids, but one day you had that one great conversation, that one intimate, oh God, you're doing something. Thank you. Hear my prayers. Bringing me hope. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so here's another thing. Peacemakers are committed to intercessory prayer for peace. They're praying for peace, right? That's why Paul writes, pray without ceasing. We need prayer today for peace in our country. That's why we're challenged. Paul writes to young pastor Timothy in chapter two, one through four. Therefore, I exhort you, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men for kings and all who in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. We're praying for peace. Praying for peace for our country. Praying for peace for our neighborhood. Just heard in the news last night, two young people shot in Golden Hill. We need peace. We need to be praying for peace, peace for our streets, peace, peace for our city and our state and our nation. Rulers is talking about here, praying for those in authority, kings, those are our president and our vice president. And, you know, I don't care where you stand, we're still commanded to pray for all those in authority. No matter how you feel, the command is to pray. Pray for peace. That's our challenge as peacemakers. I want you to do a side note here with this idea of this character here. It, acts about, it talks about hope, patience, and being steadfast in prayer, right? Those three things have to deal with our character. It has to deal with our character. Can your character handle the capacity God has given you? Can your character handle the capacity by which your God has given you? Sometimes people achieve great things but fail in their character. That's why you see many people fall that have done great things. CEOs and companies, they, they can achieve great things, but their character can't sustain their achievements. Come on, come on. God, deal with our inward man before you allow me to see success. Sometimes God keeps us from success because our character can't handle the success. Woo, our character. Peacemakers serve those in need. Talks about distribution of food, Right? In fact, that word distribution talks about fellowship and communion. We're responsible to care for the needs of those around us. Lofat does a Christmas thing every year and cares for families out of it with a bunch of his friends. Just say, we're going to bless one family this Christmas and out of their resources, they're just going to distribute some blessings as a personal mission in their own family. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts his heart off from him, how does the love of God abide in him? There's needs all around us. How do you teach your kids about giving? By giving. <laughs> how do you teach the church to be outreach? By doing outreach. <laughs> to not be afraid to go outside those walls and that we give cheerfully and with a thankful heart. That's what makes us unified. Because what? Here's nothing. Peacemakers are neighborly. They're hospitable, it says here. Be hospitable. In fact, the word hospitality means to love strangers. It means to love those you don't even know, right? The challenge in Hebrew 
13.2, talking about how we treat one another. Be careful how we treat one another in the church and outside the church, because the Bible says this, do not forget to entertain strangers, for in doing so, you just, but for doing so, some have unwillingly entertained angels. You don't know who that person is, but you're to be kind to them, because you don't even know if their ministering spirits come for you to see how you're going to respond to the needs of others. You could be just ministering to angelic hosts. Here's another number three. I'm breaking it down. I know there's a lot here, guys. Peacemakers look out for the interests of others. 14 to 16. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinions. I love this. Peacemakers turn away wrath. Peacemakers turn away wrath right? Peacemakers know that they wrestle not against flesh and blood. Peacemakers know their adversary. When you get in an argument in a marriage or with your kids, understand who's really battling here. The enemy wants to bring division and he'll prompt you and he'll instigate and he'll provoke drama and division. I don't wrestle against flesh and blood. What's, what's, what's behind this all happening here, right? There's an enemy out there that I know, right? And so when people are here, when those who persecute you or come against you and curse you, our response is not to curse them back. Our response is to bless them and pray for them. If they're hungry, give them food. If they're thirsty, give them drink. Because a kind word turns away wrath. Here it is. Treat your enemy like a friend. Oh, come on now. Real silent, in it? Because you know you have some enemies. That's what Jesus teaches us. Treat your enemy like a friend. Like we find that in 1 Peter 2, 21 and 23. Speaks about Jesus' example about how he did that. We also know from the cross, what did he say? He said, forgive them, for they know not what they do. What is he doing? He's blessing them. He's praying for the very ones that have killed him. When you get harassed and cursed for your faith, say, thank you, Jesus. Because the Bible says there's a reward for those who are persecuted for my name's sake. But you have to understand this peacemakers are sensitive to the spirit. They're sensitive to the spirit. You see that 15. You celebrate with those who celebrate and you mourn with those who mourn. We know this. We, we know that this world is filled sometimes with a lot of different emotions and situations and circumstances. Some of you have great victories. We celebrate the victories together as a family. But when some are hurting, we mourn with those that are hurting. When you have lost, we mourn when you lose. We even mourn when you fail. We come alongside each other and carry one another's burdens and we, we journey together. We have to discern those moments. We come alongside people in whatever circumstances they're in, good or bad. We're with them. We don't need to preach to them. We just need to be with them. If you'd only do this, I told you so. You ever heard those statements? You're not here to, to beat them. You're here to be with them. Up, 
or down, whatever it is, you have to discern the moments, right? And the peacemakers associate with everyone. You see that in verse 16, right? Of Romans, Romans chapter 12, verse 16. There's no cliques. There were no cliques with Jesus, right? We are one church. Don't think yourself more highly than others, right? We call that racism, segregation. Treat all people the same. No partiality in the church. Amen. Don't act bougie and don't act stuck up. Stuck up. <laughs> Come on now. Jesus hung out with the tax collectors and sinners. Yeah, that's why I'm so comfortable with being with you guys today. <laughs> because we could hang together because of Jesus. We could love each other just right where we are, regardless of our sex, regardless of our educational differences, our economic differences, our social standings, doesn't matter. We're hanging out with those with the PhDs, we're hanging out with those with the GEDs, we're all just one. <laughs> and lastly, peacemakers long for unity. We see that in 17 and 18. Repay no evil for evil, have regard for good things in the sight of men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Right? Peacemakers are not revengeful. They're not revengeful. They don't retaliate for injustice, but they bear good testimony for all to see. But now he's talking about the church. Remember that here in Romans. He's talking about the church. He's talking about what's happening inside God's house. When people do you wrong in the church, they might be hurting. They might be struggling. Don't make the hurt worse. Because you'll only be hurting yourself. That's what it's saying here, right? Repay no evil for evil, right? Have regard for good things. Have regard for good things. God, what is it I need to do in this situation? In this bad situation, how do I make it good? I mean, I've seen stuff happen in the church. I've seen friendships fragmented because of agreements and deals that went bad. Sometimes I'm afraid to refer people to people in the church because I'm afraid that sometimes if it goes bad, what a testimony it might be if it goes wrong. In the church, you have to let your yes be yes and your no be no. Keep to your commitments and do and fulfill them. Whether Even if you did something that wasn't the best deal that you made because you misjudged the deal, you still got to keep your agreement because we got to keep our words true. But in verse 18, peacemakers make every effort to keep the unity of the peace. It says, if it is possible, if it make every effort, if it's possible to keep unity of peace, do what is right to make peace. If you have a situation with your brother, if you have a ought with your brother, go make it right. If you have an issue, go make it right with your brothers and sisters. If they don't receive your offering of peace, it's on them. But you stand right before God. That's why we have to evaluate ourselves before we partake of the communion in the moment. Because he says, leave the table and go make it right if there's odds. That's the power of the church. What's the purpose of unity? The purpose of being a peacemaker? 
You're right. Take your notes. Romans 14, 17 through 19. Romans 14, 17 through 19. Look it up. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ is in these things, is acceptable to God and approved by men. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. We pursue the things of peace. So I leave you with these three thoughts as we close when we partake of communion. The gospel is a gospel of peace and unity. And unity can only be possible if we know the prince of peace. We want to be peacemakers. We want peace. We have to know the prince of peace. Here's the second thing. The gospel has positioned us as peacemakers for inside and outside the church. As Scott said, we are ambassadors of peace. Here it is. Let's go make peace. We're on mission of peace. Amen? Amen. Father heaven, we thank you again for this morning. We thank you for your love and your blessings. And Lord, I ask your hand upon your people this morning. Father, they've heard your message. Father, you promised in the book of Revelation there's a blessing in the hearing of your word. And so I pray your blessings upon your people or your peacemakers that are in this room right now, Lord. Father, I'm commissioning them to be people of peace. Father, give them your spirit, for in the power of your spirit, we can only be peacemakers, not in our own flesh. We need your power. We need your strength. We need your wisdom to do your work. Father, put on our words the message of peace that we may tell others and then allow us to live as peacemakers. We thank you, we praise you, we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us. Contact us or learn more at our website, newvision.city. See you next time.